0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message.
1: Go ahead and head back to your seats if you would and we're going to do a transition here as my wife and I, we got to get away with our kids this this week and stay with some friends in Maryland and so we had a good time. We went to Washington, D.C. and New York and we just got back last night, went to bed and here we are and so... um, I knew this was going to be an interesting time to plan a message, and so I asked Pastor Josh if he'd share with us a, a couple months ago. And I know he has something special that God's laid on his heart, and he always does an amazing, amazing job. We're so blessed to have uh, his family and encounter. Do you love Josh and Jen and their girls? So, not really. Not that many people clap, so I don't know. I'm just kidding. Do you love Josh and Jen and their girls? When I was a youth pastor, we always did the, I can't hear you, but I don't have a hearing problem. I hear you. Josh, bring it, man.
0: That wasn't awkward at all. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Lord, you're so worthy of our time. God, we're so thankful for you, and God, we're so just... Enamored by your ways and who you are and Lord your presence is just amazing God that oh Jesus sometimes there's just we don't even have to say words we just are in awe and sometimes the best thing God is just to stand in your presence and tears coming down our eyes and the incredibleness of the anointing and the presence and the glory of a king who says I love you god i just surrender this to you this time god i surrender my heart and my tongue lord i'm not afraid of men god lord i want this to be from your heart lord jesus it's all for you amen amen Sorry, I'm going to get this off because sometimes it's not comfortable. Oh, Jesus. You know, it's so amazing what God has had us in these last months. And I know some of you are like, this guy's crazy. This is weird. Um, Let me assure you that what God has been doing is uncomfortable for us too. Uh, I know it's not normal church, and I know that... Some singing songs for three hours is, is not normal to most people, or just praying and, and having people being like, I don't want normal church. I, I can tell you, though, that it's what we asked for. I, I know Brent for, and myself for, I don't know how long, Brent, probably months, maybe even all last year, just you'd hear us come to each other and we were like, man, we're just, we just feel like we're doing this thing, you know, this church. We just doing services and and they're good it's great to get together with everybody and love jesus but we're just like there's something more you know we've been doing church for he took my music away Uh, uh, we've just been doing church for a long time and yet here we are in 2019 saying god i want my city there's a lot of churches in Mesa that are meeting right now that are, there's somebody at the pulpit right now talking, probably not as mean as me, but they're probably talking an encouraging word and, and edifying people that are getting ready to start their week tomorrow and, and live this thing called life. And, and I would bet uh, a lot of us and, and I say a lot of us, including myself and Brent, there's this thing that sometimes happens where you put things in boxes. And, and when you do that with your re- relationship with Jesus, it kind of looks like you got church and you got work and you got family and you place them in all these separate things. And when you're in the church mode, you're in church mode and it's good to get edified and build up. But when you're in work mode, you're in work mode. So it's okay that, you know, your language is different. And then when you're in family mode, it's okay that you're in family mode because, again, your language is different and your actions are different. But, man, when you're in church mode, your language is different because you're not cussing anymore. <laughs> but but, but I, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I'm, I'm, I don't know why I even wanted to talk all that. But there's this thing that we said, and if you guys remember, we said, God, we're available. We want to be available. And he said, okay, reset your heart. And that's what he said to us. Reset your heart, and and again, as I was preaching the last time, and we're not the only people that this message has come through. It's not the only, but but I'm telling you, this is a global thing that God is saying. I'm beckoning this revelations to this these people, saying, "You're doing this good. You're your outreach. You're loving people. You're you got this part good, but I'm, I'm I just got this one thing. I love you. I my heart is for you, but there's just one thing. You you left that first love, and 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 so we we got our hearts and be like, we're not leaving this first love. And so we began to talk about over and over this, 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 how desperate are we? And he began to lay on our heart, this Mary of Bethany. And, uh, you've heard me speak on it back in January. And Brent has talked about it multiple times at different times, Mary of Bethany. And, um, We know about Mary of Bethany and I started in Luke chapter 10 the last time and I spoke in Luke chapter 10 and I spoke in John chapter 12, speaking of Mary of Bethany. We know the story of Mary of Bethany over really well now because we've talked about it. You know, Martha was distracted. Jesus comes into their home and she's distracted and she's anxious about many things and and she gets upset with Jesus and she says, Jesus, why is my sister allowed to sit at your feet? Why isn't she up? She is lazy. Get her up to do stuff. Make her help me. And Jesus turns and does the very opposite thing that Martha wanted him to do. And he said, Martha, you're so distracted and anxious about so many things. And you're so, you're just there. But Mary has chosen the what? The good part. The one thing. The thing that David cried out in Psalms, chapter 27, verse 4, when he says, the one thing have I Asked, Lord, that one thing I'll seek, that, my, uh, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire his temple, to hear his voice. I'm going to take a pause real quick for Jeremiah, who's awesome back there. Jeremiah, the scripture I'll be using is John 11, if you want to load that. Mary chose the good part, the one thing. But Mary had to break through expectations of what she's supposed to do. Mary had to break through expectations of that she's supposed to be observing. Mary had to break through expectations that she's, in her culture, doing something that's not normal for her to do. She had to refuse to get caught up in this whirlwind that's surrounding Jesus, the busyness that surrounds Jesus. And instead she threw herself into the eye of the storm, the focal point at his feet listening to his words. She said, I don't want to worry about this busyness, the, the, the hubbub about Jesus, the, this over here and going over here. I don't want to worry about this storm that surrounds Jesus. I want to look into the eye of the storm." She declared war on that God of busyness. She declared war on that God of distraction. And when we find ourselves caught up in the busyness and that swirl that's around Jesus, we too will become distracted and anxious about many things. And we will find ourselves focusing on what everyone else is not doing and compared to what we're doing. See, that is just how it works. When we are focused on us about the busyness i promise you you will focus on what others are not doing and compared to you well brother so-and-so never comes to men's breakfast well sister so-and-so never comes to prayer how dare they ask me to come cut the grass in the lawn do they know how much i do do they know how much i give Jesus, and this is always what happens when we get to that place, that, that, that right there, we always will ask the same thing. Lord, do you not care? Lord, do you not care? Do you not care about me and my needs? Do you not care? I got to go fast because this isn't my message, but I wanted to overview this. Ministry may, listen, this is good, ministry may be born out of busyness, but revival will be born in the stillness at his feet listening to his voice. I, I really want you to hear that. Ministry and service is good things, but they'll be born in busyness. Revival can only be born at his feet in the stillness and in the awkwardness and in the silence and in the, the wrestling. You can serve somebody and love somebody, but you're never going to change their life unless they get that revival inside of them. I'm just telling you. We cannot have revival without going to war against the God of distraction. Why are you running, Brent? Why are you running, Brent? We can't go to this place that we want to without asking the question, why am I running? See, the reward of revival is one thing, And one thing only. And you're like, what is it, souls? No. The reward of revival is his voice. The reward of revival is his voice. And when we get his voice, and we get his word, it changes everything. But I'm telling you right now, no one can do it for you. That's the problem with revival, is we want others to do it for us. We want to bring in the revivalist to come and, and do the miracles for us. We want to bring in the prophet to come speak the word. And, and I'll say this, it's good stuff. I love when I can bring in my one of my spiritual fathers, Rob Sanchez, or my friends, and I have them, and they can bless me. I love that to do that, because it's amazing. But here's the problem, is revival can never be born if that's our expectation of what it's going to be. It can only be born when we're like... I got to hear your voice. I got to know you because I need to know what I have to do. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have raised up, and I mean we, we as leaders of the church, the pastors, we've raised up th- people to rely on our voice more than his voice. I'm, I'm, I'm honest. Think about this. Who do you go to when you have a problem first when it comes to church? You call Brent or myself. The first thing you do is you go to the path. Why? Because his voice is comforting. And it's not a bad thing every time. That's what we're here for. But I will tell you this, when you start going to hear his voice, to seek his voice, to grab that, you're going you're to be like, I don't need man's voice anymore. The next instance I talked about with Mary was the last time was the last time we see her in Scripture. And this, again, she's at his feet. But this is in John chapter 12 or, or Mark 14 and verse 3. Um, when Jesus, she's found at his feet and Jesus is defending her again. This is the time where she breaks. She's a box breaker and she breaks over the anointing oil. And here's the thing. Every time Mary is at Jesus' feet and her focus is on him, he defends her. He defends her against those, her sister who said she's lazy, and she, he then defends her against Judas when he said, why did she do that? She broke that, and, and that could have been sold money for the poor. And really what he's saying is, that could have been sold so I could steal that. Let me tell you this. People who will criticize those who don't do anything at the feet of Jesus just want to steal something from them because they see something they want that they're not getting. You will know something is changing when people start getting uncomfortable and they start complaining because they see something in you that they want, that they can't have. They want to steal it when it's theirs already. They just don't know it. She's broken through the worry. She's broken through fear at this point of what people think because why? She's allowed his voice to define her. But. But here's my question, and here's where I want to go today. Is the time, the one thing I haven't talked about, Mary is the only other time that she's mentioned in Scripture. And it's in between Luke 10 and John 12. And it's in John verse 11. How did Mary get from Luke 10 to John 12? How did she go from just choosing the good part to the good part being a part of who she is? To where Jesus said in Mark 14, the same scripture of John 12, the same story, this thing that she has done for me, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, it's eternal because this story will be told. I don't need something that you're going to remember of today. I want what I do today to be remembered in eternity. That's more important. How did she get from choosing the good part to her action being for eternity? Luke 10 to 12. How did she get there? This is where everything goes, and you're like, Josh, you're back to where you, she went through a thing called the crushing. She had to go through a crushing. John 11, we're going to start in verse 1, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. Most of us, if you've been in church a while, know this story. But we like to focus on, you take a drink and you're still drinking, you try to talk, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, we know this story. It's the story of Lazarus, the death of Lazarus. And, and the focus is usually on that amazing miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. But even as powerful as that story about Lazarus, there's another powerful story going on. It's in about two sisters again, Mary and Martha, and the relationship with Jesus, So let's just start reading here. Verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, her sister, Martha. And it was this Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. This is amazing here because John is writing in this foretelling something that Mary do- is going to do that hasn't happened yet. He's saying, that Mary, this Mary that I'm talking about right here, she's the one who's going to break open this box of anointing oil. And, And it's kind of interesting why he tells the reader, tells the people that this is written to, the story here, of something that hasn't happened yet. Except I believe that he was connecting John 11 and John 12. I believe John was showing us that the hardship and pain that Mary was going to endure with her brother Lazarus in this season is the crushing and the pressing that will produce the oil that she will break upon Jesus in the next season. Brent talked about this pressing a couple weeks ago. He talked about the crushing, that new wine, I believe John was saying, listen, this Mary, this Mary that we're going to talk about right now, she's the one that's the box breaker, the one that breaks open the anointing oil in the next chapter, but she has to go through this to get that oil. What you choose in the Luke 10 season, what you choose in the Luke 10 season determines how you handle the John 11 season." let 's go on verse three. So the sisters sent to him, saying, "Lord, he whom you love is ill, but say, but with me." But. When Jesus heard it, he said this, "This ill, this illness does not lead to death, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Interestingly enough, and i 'm going to take two angles here because I want to continue reading. If you heard, now I'll pre- preface this. The scripture says that Jesus loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. The only other scripture that ever talks about really Jesus loving, now Jesus loves the world. But this love is a little bit different than the scripture talks about here. And it's only a, one other person that says that he loved was John. Because John says, I'm the beloved. Because he knew he's the one that sat on the breast of Jesus, or laid his head on the breast of Jesus. He knew what he was talking about. So when John wrote... He loved them. He understood that there was a different degree of intimacy that those three had with Jesus. They were his friends. And, and you would assume that his friend was sick, that the next thing that the Scripture would say is, he got up and he took off running. Or better yet, this is Jesus, that he would just translate, disappear and appear, where Lazarus is at and says, be healed. But what does Scripture say? It doesn't. Jesus, what are you doing? Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he ran to Lazarus. No, it doesn't say that. He said he stayed in his place for two more days. What? But you love Lazarus. You love him. And he stayed in that place for two more days. There are two things here. First comes with what the sisters did. The sisters sent a messenger saying, Lazarus, the one you love is ill. Imagine what the sisters thought when that messenger came back with the words from Jesus and not Jesus himself. Let me say it again. Imagine what those sisters thought when it wasn't Jesus that was riding with the messenger but was words. And those words were Powerful. What were those words? That this will not lead to death, but it's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified. All right, Jesus isn't here, but he promised that it's not going to lead to death. But Jesus didn't say he wasn't going to die. They didn't know that. We will go through crushing seasons where the word and promises we have heard will be tested, and they'll be tried. We are going to go through, and you go th- you've probably gone through them, where the things that you thought, those marriage issues, those issues with your kids, the, the, the jobs and the finances and, and, and the health problems or promotions and ministry, and all these promises and prophecies and words that you have received, they're going to go through this trial of testing, this, this crushing and what do you do when you know he knows, but he hasn't broken in yet? What do you do when Jesus hasn't shown up yet and the word that you've heard that you're longing for isn't happening and you're not seeing it? What do you do? This pressing, this crushing, this John 11 is that threshing floor. This is the threshing floor of what scripture speaks about. This is that area of where the grain is all softened up so it can be separated. We too get threshed. And I'm not talking about this, oh, it's this flesh. This is stuff where they're like stomping on this wheat to break open so they can get to the meat, that vulnerable part of the grain, this threshing where they're crushing to get there. We too go through this process. It's not soft, but this crushing, because in the end, what's left is the edible part, that soft meat part, that heart, and what goes away and what goes through the the weaning process, the, the getting rid of process is that chaff, the dry protective casing gets rid of. The only way to get oil is on that threshing floor. In that place of God, it's five years my marriage has been broken. You know my marriage is broken. Why aren't you showing up? See, the crushing will either produce oil or it will crush you into becoming hard and distancing your heart. Backing away and becoming bitter. Bitter. And I dare say, and I mean this in in respect, that most of the church goes through this place. And the real reason why the church is losing more people is because they have too many bitter people that don't really believe what they say. And so they have an entire generation that looks at them and says, it's not real. This is why. As we get to this place, this threshing floor, and there's two responses that we're going to talk about that we go through. But see, if we cannot live in that pain, live in that tension of what his word and promises is, and him not breaking in yet, if we can't get there, we're going to become bitter. We're going to back up, and we're going to become disheartened. When you hit that wall... And it's not looking like you thought it would. My ministry is not where it should. My marriage is not getting better. My debt is growing. When you hit that wall, don't back up. Feel it. Don't come up with some religious explanation that you say but don't believe that just hardens your heart and causes unbelief. Trust me, you know this because of those people who would be like, well, praise God, it's another day. And really on their sign is, God, I wish I didn't have to wake up today. Praise God. And they're the ones that will say in language, but you can see it all over them because they walk around like this. Yes, how are you today? Oh, I'm Okay. What's going on? Oh, you know, the same thing I've talked about with you for years and years and years. And you get to this tension point where there's a decision that has to make. And there are two responses that we're going to talk about. We're going to jump down to verse 17. And what we're going to do is we're going to see the two sisters respond very differently. We're going to see when Jesus shows up, though their language is the same, Get that. Their language is going to be the same. But Jesus' response to them is very, very different. Start in verse 21. I'm actually starting verse 17 and then I'll get to verse 21. Verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha, here we go, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Gone. She went and met him. Now let me, I'll just finish reading this. She went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you've been here, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whenever you ask from God, God will rise again, or God will give you. And Jesus responded this way, Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha, your brother will rise again. And this is how you know where, her, where she's at. When Martha was hit smack in the face, when Jesus didn't return with the messenger, and and she got just a word, and then Jesus didn't show up for days, and all of a sudden Lazarus dies, Martha's response was not brokenness, but it was offense. And her response in that offense at Jesus was this. When he came here, I'm going to run, and I'm going to meet him, and I'm going to say, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you would have done what you said you were going to do, this wouldn't have happened. But I know that even what you ask, God will give you. And so what is Jesus' response with offense? The truth. But offended people can't believe truth. He says, Martha, your brother will. He'll live. He'll rise again. And Martha goes like this. I'll give Jesus good theology. Yes, I know. What does it say? It says, yes, Did it move on me? My body. Here we go. Your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And I love Jesus because Jesus, this is how he handles offense. As he smacks people who have offended face and he says, no, no, no. No, 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 Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. No, no, no. I am that resurrection and the life. And he says, get this. I am. The resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? (laughs) He's saying, do you believe this? And then she does this, the offended heart, the bitter heart of a Christian. Yes, I believe. Of course I believe. And this is what an offended person will do when they get smacked in the face. As they leave. I believe. And they leave, and they run. And where does she run? She runs to the second person, her sister. Why? Because she knew that she wasn't getting what she wanted, and she needed Mary. And so she runs to Mary, and we're going to see here in verse 28. And um, I, I remember where Mary's at. Where's Mary at? But she's doing something that we see her every time. She's sitting. Every time we see Mary of Bethany, she's sitting. This girl is lazy. I don't know about you, I've never seen somebody sit and only sit, but she's lazy. No, no, Mary's sitting. Why? It's because she's dwelling in this brokenness and this pain. You're going to see in a minute that Mary asks the very same question, but from a different position. See, Mary is not, she's not, uh, um, um, um. whoa, she's broken, but she is not offended. Why? Because she knows who this person is. She knows this is the Jesus that sat on her feet. You see, Martha already had an offended spirit back in Luke chapter 10 when she said, Jesus, do you not care? And then you know what happened? And how many times does this happen in our life? The very thing you become bitter about, you can find something that actually upholds why you're bitter in the first place and why you're offended. Jesus, do you not care that my sister not helped? Jesus, do you not care that my brother's dead? Here's another area where Jesus didn't care about me. Mary's sitting in her home, and I love this. What does the scripture say next? When she said this, this is about Martha, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, listen, listen, the teacher is here and is calling for you. (laughs) The difference between an offended heart and someone who's broken is the teacher will beckon the broken but he'll tolerate the offended. Why? Because an offended heart is not open to receive. What the, And an offended heart cannot meld with the heart of God. But you get a broken heart. What did Jesus say? He said, I didn't come here for the healthy, but I came here for the sick and the broken. He didn't say offended. He said for the sick and the broken and the needy. Why? Because that heart, that place can connect with God. And the teacher is calling. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. When Mary heard Jesus was near, she didn't run. Why didn't Mary run? Because she learned in Luke 10 to sit and wait for his word. Now, now, listen. Here's the other issue that a person like me, and I dare say my friend in the front row, not naming names, that wears a pink shirt and has big arms. (laughs) Pink. uh, here's what happens when things don't go our way we want to fix it when problems are presented us we want to fix it because then it's off our plate i think i heard it once say when i know i have a job to do i just get it done we want to fix it well this is martha And, and 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 it's not everyone but offended hearts like to fix things because they can't fix themselves you will know an offended person because they get in everybody else's business too. And normally, offended hearts are also the ones that, did you hear? Did you hear? Why? Because if they have an offense, they want someone else to have an offense. (laughs) But a broken person is like, I I can't fix your problems for you. And the problem with the church is is that we've tried to say, hey, we can fix your problems. And we've failed this generation by saying that we can fix the problems and then saying, hey, can you just come sit and cry with me? Because I can't fix my problems. I can't fix your problems. But I know someone who can. Can you come sit with me? even in her brokenness, even in her questions, even in her crushing and her not understanding. She didn't move until Jesus beckoned her and she embraced that pain, the not understanding and the questions and the, and the hurt and what she was going through. And when one only moves at the beckoning of Jesus, this is what I loved about this because I've heard this a lot and I've heard this preached a lot, but I've never heard this until I read this and I want to read it to you and then I, wanna, I want you to hear this. She rose quickly. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, I'm in verse 30, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her, speaking of Mary, in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. Can I tell you this? When you are a person that sits at the feet of Jesus, when you move quickly, it gets people's attention and they will follow because they're not used to seeing you fix this and run over here and doing this. But they want to know. Why? Because they see something they want. So when you are a person at the feet of Jesus and people are watching, people are always watching. Always watching. And the moment that you get up and you move, their eyes are watching and they are curious. Every time. That's why this generation has killed their leaders. Is because they expect their leaders to be perfect. And when they're falling and when they're broken and when they're at the feet of Jesus, they take a sword and they stab it in their back. You're not qualified because you're broken. I know I'm broken, but I'm not a pastor. So I'm allowed to sit at my house and drink all day and watch sex movies. You can't because you're not qualified. You're a pastor. Oh. You didn't come visit me when I needed you to? You're having a rough day? You're not a good pastor. Ugh. And now we have pastors that don't even allow people. Listen to this. Be thankful for these guys because there are pastors out there that won't even let their congregation into their homes <laughs> out of fear. They don't want anything to do with the congregation. They raise up pastors that they pastor so that they can do it. Came back. It was Jesus. I'm going to keep going. Am I doing okay here? Where are we at? All right. All right. So, even in her brokenness, her questions. So, what happens here? Let's keep reading. Now in verse 32, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she what? Man, I'm telling you, listen to this. She fell at his what? His feet and said the same thing Martha said. And what was that? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Get this. Get this. She fell at his feet from a different spirit because she wasn't offended. She used the same language that Martha did. You see, language is very important, but it can either be religious or it can be out of a deep cry place. Martha went, you should have been here. And Mary went, you should have been here. And if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, if you would have been here, it would have saved my marriage. If you would have been here, my kid wouldn't have died in that car accident. If you would have been here, I wouldn't have lost the baby before it was born. If you would have been here, America would have been saved. If you would have been here, God, and in that pain and in that struggle, she's weeping at his feet saying, Jesus, if you would have been here, And this is Jesus' response to this broken, this heart that's not offended but loves the person she sees and doesn't understand but is like, I know you. I don't need religious terms and theology. I know you. And her cry from the depths of her deeply did something. What does the scripture say next? In verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and those with her, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. In other translations, she said, "His spirit groaned." You see, the offended heart got the answer he was looking for, though Jesus knew it wasn't going to take it. The broken heart, the pain, the crushing, the things that was producing oil made Jesus go, "I know. I know." Uh, I feel it with you. Ah! Uh, I'm here with you. I have never left you or forsaken you. Her cry from the depths of her deeply moved him. Her deep cried out to his deep, and his spirit groaned, and something different happened with Jesus' response. He didn't say, don't worry, Mary, your brother will live. He said, where have you laid him? (laughs) I'm telling you, there's a difference in the the, the thing that an offended heart and someone who is so busy that doesn't know Jesus and comes to him. When you can move his heart, the thing goes from, He will raise again to, no, 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 no. Where have you laid him? I feel it. Where have you laid him? Where have you laid him? Where is that marriage? Where is that child on drugs? Where are those finances? Where is that healing? Our brokenness, our deep crying out to deep, not because of the I knows or the religious sayings or the the offended heart. But out of God, you are crying out to Christ, the deep crying out to deep. Do you know why we have so many people in church today that just say they believe but don't believe? It's because when they face this, the church's answer is, it will be okay, don't worry. Can we pray together? Instead of, I I don't have an answer, but let's sit and cry together. I'll weep with you as long as you want to weep. Until we get through this thing. I don't know why your dad died of cancer so quickly. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why, why things of this world just happen. Why things just just happen. Why I don't know why my wife's mother died when she was 15 years. I don't know. But there's a groaning that comes from that, and Jesus knows this why? Because in that place, the next uh, the scripture that he reads that we see here is the shortest scripture in all of it. Jesus wept. Why? It's because at that moment he wept saying, I hate death. Where have you laid him? I, I feel that pain. I no longer tolerate this thing called death. Where have you laid him? And when our deep can cry out to deep, I'm telling you, his heart begins to move. Why? Because now we're beginning to partner in this labor. Do you remember we have said over and over again, Pastor Brent, Bobby, if you're hearing this, Jen, because of the word that came out of your mouth, this labor is this labor. I don't know why we don't see revival. I don't know why we're not seeing people coming like they should. I know there's people on the street and they're shooting themselves up. I know that there are sex trade trafficking happening here in Mesa. I know that there are families that are desperate for an answer. I don't know what I have to offer, but God, I know you do. God, There's a threshing floor because when you can break off the hardness of that man mentality of, I don't cry. I'm a man. I don't need to cry and show any emotion.
1: God
0: is holy. Sometimes I feel like then God's like, okay, I'm going to have to thresh you a little bit more. Thresh you a little bit more. Thresh you a little bit more. You want to know why a lot of times when you get to an elderly age, when you so speak to somebody that they're soft-spoken, especially someone who's trialed and trivial, and that they're people of prayer? Why? It's because they've gone through this process a number of times, and they get to a place of like, their peace in this storm. They find this peace in this threshing because they know when that hardness gets ripped out of their heart, that softness is when Jesus is there with them, and what they get That's where the heart of revival is born. That's where the heart of revival is born. From that groaning in that place, Jesus wept and fell at the feet of, and felt what Mary felt, and he hated death in that moment. You have to get dirty to get into the glory. But I'm telling you this, as sure as I'm here in this life and in the next (laughs) on the other side of tears is resurrection yes the threshing the crushing is the hard part but Jesus didn't leave it there in verse 38 we see Jesus begin to move and I want you to remember and I want you to hear what happens here and the difference between a Mary and a Martha can I also point out that this phrase that Mary spoke is the only word she ever spoke in scripture ever Jesus if you would have been here Every other time she's sitting at his feet listening. Verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb, man, and it was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take it away. And here is Martha, the good churchgoer, great theology, and this is what she says. Uh, Jesus, um, Lord, he stinks. Uh, are you sure? Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Are you sure? And then Jesus' response to the offended heart, the one who doesn't believe, is so simple. I love this. Because he, he loves Martha. Can I stop here? Jesus, the scripture says Jesus loved Martha. Just because you can have an offended heart doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't deeply love you. But Jesus has to treat you a little differently. Why? Because he wants to take away your offense and break you. He he wants you to stop being offended and start crying for once, that you don't have the answer, and it's okay that you don't have the answer. Stop being offended at everything and let Jesus break you, because on the other side of breaking is resurrection. And he had to smack her once again, and what did he smack her? With his love, and he said this to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Martha said, what? I do believe. But then when it showed up in his doorstep, when Jesus was ready for the miracle, her beliefs went out the door, and she that, mm, he stinks. Those who have been hurt by the church and those who have been hurt in this world because of things they can't understand—they will always get to the place of disbelief. And when the times of miracles will happen, they won't believe it. <laughs> that can't happen. Uh, well, I know it's in Scripture, and it's going to happen one day. And I know healings are real, but it, I, I know Scripture says it. I. And I know Jesus is going to do it one day. I know he says that, that they'll do greater things than, than what I do. I know it says that, but let's just come to church, and that's for someone else. The revivalist heart says, no, 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 that's for me. That's for me, and I'll break until I get there. I'll break until I see that happen. I don't care that I don't know the answers. My belief system isn't based on my knowledge. My belief system is based on my love. Roll away the stone. As I get ready to conclude this. Mary's crushing birthed the very miracle Jesus said would happen in the beginning of John 11. Do you remember Jesus sent a word back to Mary and Martha? And he says, this will not end in death. And that very word destroyed and crushed them. Why? Because Jesus didn't come with them and Lazarus died. And so in their word is they thought Jesus lied. And then here in the last verses, as Jesus is standing for the tomb, he's looking at Martha and he's saying, if you would only believe. And he's looking at Mary and he's winking. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. Mary's crushing birth, that very miracle. Why? Because Jesus wanted to partner with somebody. He wanted to get on the ground with somebody in their level, in their pain, to understand he he wants to get with them and in there to know that he's there with them. Why do I know this? Because if it wasn't true, if Jesus didn't want to partner with Mary, if this was not necessary for Jesus to do, he would have just ran and healed Lazarus and none of this would have taken place. He would have just went. He would have showed up. Told them to move the stone, or he would have showed up before it even happened. If this didn't matter to Jesus. But even before he showed up, he looked at his disciples and he said this thing, and this is so amazing. And he looked at his disciples when his disciples were telling him not to go because they were worried that he would be killed. He looked at them and he said, It's good that I haven't gone yet. And it's good that Lazarus is dead so that you guys could believe. <laughs> Andrew Jen, if you guys want to come. See, guys, it's in this place, in this threshing floor, that we can partner with that thresher to produce the oil, the Mary we see in John 12, that oil. See, the crushing produces the oil of revival. And if this church, if we as encounter want revival, we got to go through a crushing process. We have to continue this crushing process because the oil that will continue the burn of revival, see, I don't want a revival that's a flash in a pan that's done. I'm tired of vegetable oil revivals. I want to see anointing oil revivals. That's an oil from a threshing can, something that's squeezed down. That oil that when when Elijah looked at her and said, go get those jars and I'm going to pour an oil. And you know where she got that oil? In the secret place. Go shut your door and continue to pour. And she got that oil. And the oil was her provision. What is this about the virgins? That they got their oil. And the ones that didn't have oil came and started asking for oil when it was that season. And guess what happened? The, the virgins that had oil says, no, 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 no. I had to go through a crushing. I had to go through something like this. You wanted to bypass the crushing because you were offended. Go buy it yourself. No, no, no. See, Jesus is looking for people that are willing to go through the crushing. I'm gonna tell you this. The church tries to avoid the crushing, and they get people who are disillusioned because everybody in here knows that life is hard at times, and we go through some things, and we need some things. And we try to just give you good Christian language, good t-shirt slogans. What would Jesus do? Slogans. We try to say, read your Bible and pray. And we try to say, hey, be a good Christian. And then you get out into the world and the things smack you in the face. And instead of dealing with your pain at the feet of the threshing floor, we turn to drugs and we turn to alcohol and we turn to pornography and we turn to affairs and we turn, turn to all these things to numb the pain. And Jesus, like, I am that numb agent, just come with me. But we've tried to tell people it's just stop sinning instead of understanding that most of the time sin is birthed out of a crushing season and they don't know how to deal with it. And so they turn to something that's temporary that leads to death. Where Satan has developed something so temporary that it leads to a death. Why? Because you can never break the cycle without a Savior that came and said, uh uh-uh, uh, that's mine. That oil that Mary produced in John 11 is what she used in John 12. This Mary was delivered from the fear of death. She was delivered from being a slave to other people's opinions of her. That Lazarus season made her fearless with only one prize, with only one opinion to care about. She became a breaker. She learned to break through the expectations, the people-pleasing. She weathered the opinions and criticisms of others. She produced the oil through her crushing, and she became a revivalist. She stopped caring about everything else except Jesus and his words and once again found herself at his feet where he defended her Mary of Bethany is how God is going to build revivalists this is how he's going to build a revival culture this is what we've asked for This is what we're called for. This is how we're going to change this city. This is how your families are going to be changed. This is how your life gets transformed. I said this to close my last sermon, and I'm going to say it again in this sermon. The difference between a prayer meeting and an upper room is that an upper room is full of broken people that are so desperate for breakthrough that they have to cry out to the Holy Spirit until it happens. Stand with me. There are people in all walks of life, in all areas of their faith, that this goes to. You're broken, and there are things in your life that you know that you just, you're like, God, I'm so tired of this in my life. I'm so tired of my marriage and fighting. I'm so tired of my kids. I, God, I, I, I'm so broken. Why is my kid, it's just out there. I don't even know where they're at, and they could be dead, and I don't even know it. God, I, I can't get through to my work. They don't even see the value of who I am. I, I, I'm miserable here. God, I just lost someone and I don't know why. God, I'm sick and I need a healing and it's just, it's so painful to live this way. Every one of us have something. I don't have an answer for you, but I know someone who is. And no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, no matter what pain that you're trying to get through, whatever crushing that you're having to go through, in this moment, I'm telling you, break through your offense and let your brokenness be real. I think it was said great, my brother, Corey Russell, and I believe it too when he says the church has to come back to a place of crying again, a place of tears again. Because out of a place of tears is where resurrection can come. And we gotta stop being a people of I knows and stop being of I know someone. Come and see. Come and see. So right now, Brent, if come. I wanna open up this floor I know you're going through things. Every one of us are. And we're going to have people that can stand with you, cry with you, even pray with you. Not having to say religious prayers because there's not a prayer that's going to change. When you walk out that door, it's going to be right there. That wall's going to be right there. It's going to be right there. But there's a time coming that if you stop backing up from that wall and you start getting low, that that wall starts going away because no longer are you focused on the wall. You're focused on Jesus saying, Jesus, if you're here, if you would be here in my life and I'm gonna be here in this place, this place at your feet until I hear your voice beckoning me and I'm gonna cry and I'm gonna go through this pain because on the other side of this is my victory. That's what I wanna see. So I'm opening up the floor. I'm opening up these altars. Come. We're going to have people here praying with you. But more importantly, I want this to be an act of uh, an outward expression of God. I'm not offended. Or if I am offended, break my heart and come and sit at his feet. Can we do that? I'm going to pray. And as I pray, you can come. Jesus, Lord, we come before you this morning this afternoon, Lord, and we're so willing, but God, there are things in our lives that we don't understand, and we don't have words for, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, we need you, Lord, we're so broken, and we need you to show up. Lord, we don't want to live like this anymore and we've cried out for revival and we want to see our city change. But God, we have to have the revivalist heart, that place where oil is being produced. So Holy Spirit, come in. Be with me. Be with us here. Jesus. 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 Oh, Rabaka shatana ba ga, Raba shatana ka Shadanda, Raba Jen, will you just sing this song?